Hello and welcome to the Codex Prime podcast. We are on episode 349 and it is two- indeed and it is Tuesday, December 12th, 2023. I am your host Victor Omoyo and with me as always is my co-host and social media chair Carl Bird. What's happening everybody? That's right. And joining us live in the Codex Prime Zoom studios, two returning guests, two friends of the show. First, we have the host of the number one education podcast in the world, Steambox, R.I., Mr. Roberto Gonzalez. Welcome back, sir. What's up? Thanks for having me. Absolutely. And uh, coming all the way from New Jersey, you know, the host of the Gamerdelphia podcast, a lifelong gamer, and uh, Eddie Kingston stunt double, Mr. Ed Figueroa. <laughs> Hey, hey, listen, we both, we're both we both celebrating the same birthday today, so that's something to get hyped about. Yes, happy birthday, hey. brother. Thank you, thank happy you. Happy birthday. Yeah, absolutely. Happy birthday. You know, I, I hope your next uh, title defense of the ROH World title goes well. Uh, <laughs> uh, man, listen, I don't know if I'm going to be making out of this block with the title. So there's a, I think it was a bad idea trying to throw them all at once. Hey, you know, you know. It really was. Yeah. Yeah, versus the world, but uh, but yeah, uh, we're here uh, in, the, in the Zoom studios. We're gonna be chatting about uh, the Game Awards 2023, all the results, uh, our predictions, what we got right, what we what we got wrong, uh, some games that did not have a successful night. Um, we, we'll we'll get into those. I know Carl is very salty about one. We'll get into that in a bit. Table salt. <laughs> ionized um, salt indeed indeed uh we'll also get into a bit of a uh some some wrestling talk as well so sprinkle that in there as well as uh, some godzilla minus one which roberto and i did see as well uh but before we get started uh just want to give a quick shout out to all of our viewers and listeners once again thank y'all for watching us and listening to our show codex prime podcast whether you catch us on facebook live every week every tuesday or catch us on your favorite uh, podcasting platform be it uh, spotify soundcloud uh, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, wherever you find us, uh, we really appreciate you taking the time to, you know, listen to us, uh, you know, nerd it up, you know, as we do every every week. So yeah, thank y'all for that. So yeah, uh, gentlemen, uh, where should we get started in this uh, in this wide ranging discussion um, before we get into the game awards? I know we had we had a bit of wrestling talk. Uh, Earlier, I know Roberto. Uh, I know you're uh, you're a fan of the uh, uh, cancerous malignant punk. Um, so uh, I, I know you. I, you I know all the acronyms. I, I'm a guy. <laughs> yeah, you, you know. Oh, Listen, oh, this man's about to show up at a live event with a with a sign that you can like cue card it, like Sammy Guevara, yeah. <laughs> with all the different acronyms. Oh yeah, oh yeah, absolutely. You know, um, you don't know. Don't give him the idea. You don't give him the ideas. <laughs> hey. Well, I I already did. But yeah, but yeah, we'll yeah we'll uh, we'll talk about the uh, uh, cynical malcontent, uh, Philip, in a bit. So uh, yeah, uh, what are your, you know, as you, as y'all know, the big news is like he's back in WWE. You know, WWE famously said that he was AEW's problem. Now he's WWE's problem. Uh, you know, uh, to echo Seth to echo Seth's uh, uh, remarks from his promo uh, last night to Punk, he said that WWE, WWE is CM Punk's legitimate last chance at the business. Um, whether or not CM Punk will finally have the maturity to get out of his own way and you know be an adult and not punch coworkers in the face remains to be seen. I'm still betting. I'm still betting that Brawl Out Chapter Three Parabellum is going to happen at some point. It's a matter of when, not if. But uh, gentlemen, uh, what are your thoughts on um, the uh, cranky muffin eater Philip uh, being in WWE's <laughs> business? 
What say y'all? Well, getting over the fact that there's so many different acronyms that we're going to get through that I don't even like you're about to have your own meme generator at this point. Um, <laughs> look, I think that with the fact that as far as I know from some of the rumors, he has a behavior clause in his contract. I'm sure that there's plenty of provisions in place where, you know, he has to be on the up and ups. He has to do this, do this. So that way he can kind of maintain everything. But I think that regardless of all the malcontentness, regardless of all the things that we have seen him do in AEW, I think that him in WWE is kind of the direction um, that should be taken um, for him. And I think that the all the things that he did in AEW are going to add to the mythos that uh, Punk will have during this new run, especially with the feuds that he has. He has a potential feud with Drew McIntyre, as we saw last night on Raw. Uh, a potential with Kevin Owens, based on their interactions. Um, also, oh, the fact that you have now Seth Rollins. I think that there's so many different directions that this can take uh, with Punk's new, um, new lease on working in WWE once again, new lease on being able to work with a different version of Triple H and Shawn Michaels than he what than he did in 2013 and 2014 when he eventually left the company and Vince was still running the company. So I think that with the background that he has now, with a, a refresher course on how not to have things go when you in your last year with AEW, I think there's so many so much potential and so much money to be made right now. Leading into you saw NXT have a good showing. You saw Monday Night Raw obviously start have good showings. How he's advertised for a house show the weekend of New Year's, and that's probably going to make big bank because um, he has a house show match. And then leading into the Rumble and Mania, I think there's so many things that you can play off of with CM Punk now, uh, with his background now from AEW going into the second run. Indeed. One more idea, and they mentioned this on Busted Open. Punk, Roman, Brock, triple stare down, Paul Heyman in the middle. Oh, Paul Ooh. Heyman on a ladder match? <laughs> <laughs> Paul Heyman on a pole. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, like three three Paul Heyman guys. Yeah. The most successful ones under his regime. They were all successful under his direction, the three most successful ones. I mean, we're not going to count Taker and stuff, but like, yeah, the three most successful Paul Heyman guys mm-hmm. in the ring together. Yeah, yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, that would, that would mean that would certainly draw money. I mean, I'd root for anybody except Philip to win that match. I mean, naturally, but uh, but yeah, um, but yeah. I think uh, if 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 the rumors uh, um, are, are true that Punk has a behavioral clause in his contract, then then at least WWE is prepared. Like they like they like they know what they're getting into uh, with with Philip. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, and 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 who's to say? Like, because like I would love to, I would just love to see, you know, Punk at a WWE press conference with Triple H sitting right beside him. And I, and just just to see how far Punk could go, just to see how how far he'll step over the line if he'll if he'll go off like he did with Tony Khan on his side. Like I just want to see what would happen. Like, what what is wrong with you that you're saying if it's not if it's when it's it's when. And when you said like when you said like like if they realize what they're getting, right? Like 
you think they forgot that he talked about his his doofus wife? You know what I mean? And and tyrannical, you know, uh, father-in-law and shit like that. They ain't forgot this stuff. They they know exactly what they're getting, and they know that it's money. And what's money is not this happy CM Punk that they bring it back. That's not what's money. The stuff that you're the stuff that you're trying to act like we should hope that we don't get is exactly what we're counting on getting. And I don't mean throwing TV monitors and Tony Khan feeling like I'm fearful for my life. And I don't believe for a second that he was fearful for his life. I do uh, think the situation got, got <laughs> you know, out of hand backstage. But I will say that this is the stuff that makes CM Punk. When it's best in the world, it's not at wrestling. He almost doesn't even belong in the ring. They can make like a make-pretend match between those three contestants that you mentioned. But he doesn't belong the winner. The biggest, the biggest CM Punk fan in this group doesn't think that he should necessarily be the winner of that. Not clean anyway, right? But when you're doing it, you're doing it really well, Victor, with the acronyms. But the actual best in the world is Kenny Omega. Not a WWE wrestler. It's Kenny Omega from AEW. And when I was watching with Angela, when there were a few rumors, and then Kenny Omega comes out to the ring in a Cookie Monster t-shirt and says, Cookie doesn't stand for, uh, C doesn't stand for cookies, boys and girls. I was like, yo, this dude, this dude just dropped code that CM Punk is definitely coming back, right? So excited, man. People got, people got that CM Punk game, CM uh, acronyms on lock and it's dope and there's a lot of them uh one of my favorites that you mentioned was something muncher what was it like uh, uh, uh cranky muffin eater cranky muffin eater yeah. uh that's wild you should not expect this dude to behave properly i know they got him trying to be this happy cm punk and we should be happy that some of you might have missed it but i don't think you really did he's already dropping those bombs he's breadcrumbing us for the real CM Punk, he's already here. Let me let me give you examples. Two examples, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, one one example just being that while a lot of people talk shit about what a malcontent he is, and he is, right? People forget that wrestlers have it better. They're going home for the holidays in large part thanks to CM Punk and that <laughs> malcontent. Uh, in large part, a lot of their health care is thanks to CM Punk and the lawsuits and all that stuff and and competition starting to base stuff on that where WWE starts to have to move the needle in how well they're going to actually care for the wrestlers. So wrestling as an industry has gotten much, much better thanks to CM Punk being a malcontent. But he ain't done. This ain't happy, Phil. He's still calling out racist WWE. You know how? He gets reunited with, uh, with his bestie, Kofi Kingston. What did he say to Kofi Kingston? Hey, you're making me crazy. He's like, no, hey, Jamaican me crazy. Kofi Kingston, who's from Ghana, and WWE had as a Jamaican wrestler representing Jamaica for all those years. That's racist as hell because this dude is black. He's going to represent Jamaica. Actually, correction, correction on that. Actually, Kofi Kingston started going by, he's going for with the Jamaican uh, gimmick while he was in the Indies because mm-hmm. he learned that. Uh, fans would embrace a Jamaican character more than a Ghanaian character. I agree. Yep. And it's that level of simplicity that they're bringing up. And don't get me started on the Japanese wrestlers and what they have. All the, For example, all the Japanese wrestlers are doing mist right now. All of them are doing mist. Yeah. All of them are dirty cheaters, yeah. spitting in people's faces in the age of COVID. But they get stuck on these stereotypes and they exploit these stereotypes, whether they come up from the Indies or not. But Kofi said to him, 
And this reminded me, right, that this is the place, this is in large part, in large part, some of this is an influence that, you know, corporate Phil had. You know what I'm saying? Where they're not in that place anymore. That They don't do that anymore is what Kofi said back. And the last example I'll give to you is I'm sure there was a script for NXT. I'm sure he was supposed to come out and talk about how Shawn Michaels was his hero growing up. He didn't exactly say those words. He went roundabout and says, I watched you growing up. That's what he said. I watched you. Right? Of course you watch. You watch wrestling. Of course you see uh, the heartbreak kid there. right? He says, I watched you. And while he was doing it, I know you caught what he was wearing. I know you caught what Phil <laughs> was wearing. Yeah, I caught, of course. It. Oh, it's hilarious. Hilarious. He was out there in that Brett the Hitman heart hoodie. It's Sunny Days Part 2 coming all over again with CM Punk time. And what I'm telling you, Victor, what I'm telling you is I know you and Angela. Angela's my girlfriend. They're friends. I know they talk all the time about what a dickhead I am for loving CM Punk. But this is why <laughs> wrestling is interesting and entertaining again. That's what I'm here to say. Okay, well, I mean, I mean, you you raise you raise a uh, you raise some some cogent points, um, but I, I but I will say, uh, you know, I, I will say like you know to your points about how the improvements in the wrestling industry, I, I would attribute most of that to or even a quarter of that to uh, to, to to cash money fill up. If anything, if anything, I would attribute more of that more of those improvements like healthcare and the fact that you know wrestlers can have time off during um during the holidays i would attribute that more to cody rhodes and in his part in, fi- in establishing aew in establishing actual viable competition more so than philip ever 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 did like if anything if anything philip philip was just lucky enough to have a super fan billionaire in tony khan you know uh want want desperately wanting him on his roster and well of course you know khan fumbled that bag in in, in some respects but you know, I mean, punk, punk, punk. By and large, you know, he's not, he's not, he's not an innovator by any means. He's just somebody who, yeah, yes, he moves the needle. He moves the needle, but you know, by, but by no means would I ever call him an innovator. You know, he's just somebody who's who's on who's on top of the zeitgeist at the right place at the right time. Simple as that. We agree on so much of this, and even though we agree on it, we fall on different sides of how much we like it. We disagree on innovator. We disagree on Innovator because I will attribute a lot of the healthcare stuff directly to Phil and the stuff that he went through with Ryback, who, by the way, should retire right now after saying if CM Punk shows up, he'll retire. Um, but that's neither here nor there. I would reference... He was his backpedal on that. Yeah, yeah. yeah he's, uh, he's as trash a person as he was a wrestler. Uh, but WCW, I would say, was more uh, viable competition to WWE in 1999 than AEW is to WWE now, 24, 25 years later. And, you know, healthcare and all those things weren't necessarily moving the needle. I think it was in large part due to those issues that now when thought out and developing a new organization to compete with WWE, which again, as an AEW fan, I I will admit they're not, um, that now that stuff is starting to move the ball. And if, if Triple H is saying, hey, I need these guys to sign here, well, it's not just money anymore. It's time with family, and it's all this, uh, it's it's all this self care stuff. And I, I gotta say, some of that, some of that is because he's an innovator. And of course, on the microphone, he's an innovator. I definitely want to share this microphone, but I want to drop one more thing. Yeah. The Seth Rollins beef. Seth Rollins isn't necessarily hurt because CM Punk's, uh, because some people attribute the the success of the Shield formation to CM Punk with the Paul Heyman stuff. It's not that. I know he would have you believe that. He would have you believe other things. Seth really got hurt 
when CM Punk called him a bootlicker for the company. And Seth, his whole promo yesterday was basically in the guise of bootlicker for the company, you know, expressing retaliation, which I thought was brilliant. It was very real, but it was also very real in the fact of what CM Punk exposed him as. So I find that interesting. I love it. And as long as as long as I'm like, we know Seth's a bootlicker, so then cool, we can chant his music now. As long as, as long as we know that. Well, you know, um, you know, we'll 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 see. Um, I mean, we'll we'll see if if uh, if the uh, if the corpulent mouth breather Philip can you know can can you know can put, put can put his boots to Seth Rollins. But I will say that uh, when when Punk does the big job to Seth Rollins, when he gets, I mean, hey, look, I have no problem with with Philip getting his main event at WrestleMania, you know, fulfilling his lifelong ambition. But when punk, you know, when punk does a job on the biggest, grandest age of them all, let's see what Philip has to say then. Because quite frankly, you know, um, you 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 have somebody who you have somebody who's you know physically past their prime. Let's let's keep it real. Like his his, I mean, like in the words of John Moxley, you know, fragile mind, fragile body, fragile ego, weak mind, weak spirit, and and you know, you know, uh, uh. You know, and 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 I and I will say too with with Punk, the the, the only honest thing that he has said so far, uh, in, coming back in WWE between between the few promos that he had, was what, what was what he was what he said directly to the camera on Raw. I think it was last week when he said that I'm not here to make friends. Friends. I'm here yeah. to make money. Make money. If that was his mission statement from the very beginning, I'd be like, okay, finally some honesty. But you know this happy-go-lucky Phil. I know that they're setting up a character like, or we're, we're gonna we're gonna wait for him to lower the boom, you know, because we all see we all see what he really is. But you know, um, if if Punk is really all about just making that money, not making friends, great. You know what? Then he wouldn't mind doing the job to, to to Seth at WrestleMania. Or or how about or how about if you bring back Austin? You know, Austin versus Punk. That's a match that some fans wanted to see. Bring back Austin for one more main event at WrestleMania, and have Punk do the job to a to a near sixty year old year old Austin. Let's see let's see how how happy Punk would really be. I mean, he's making money, right? So he shouldn't be he shouldn't be uh, complaining at that point. So yeah, I'm confused by your point. Are you saying that he's being honest in wanting to make money? That was his only honest moment. Yeah. Or are you saying that's not the reason he's really here? Because when he's making money, you're gonna see that he's still upset. Because th- that would be the opposite of that being his honesty. Because I agree with you. He's not there for the money. He's there for why Cody says he's there. But he's there to actually close the book on CM Punk and get into that only qualifiable Hall of Fame. Hmm. Well, I, I, would, I would say, like, he's... I mean, if, if he's if he's there to just make money, then, like, you know, him doing the job shouldn't really shouldn't really matter at that point. I mean, because fans will still cheer for him no matter what. Like, I agree. Lose. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, and uh, and and looking looking at uh, looking at our comments here, uh, we have a friend of the show, uh, uh, Patty uh, Figueroa. Uh, he's saying uh, she says that uh, you know Punk looks old as fuck. How is he the same age as Lashley? Damn, and uh, he's there for the self-aggrandizement, uh, aggrandizement to be real. So yeah, but but yeah, you know um, we we can uh, we, we we can agree to disagree, but but. Uh, but yeah, I'm just I'm just patiently waiting uh, for for Punk for Philip to get in his own way again and embarrass himself and the company as a whole. And uh, yeah, we'll we'll cut, we'll revisit this conversation again uh, in in 2024. Yo, Lashley looks better than the Young Bucks Alpha Academy. Lashley looks better than uh, the new guys from NXT that just came up that that tag team. 
Uh, Creed Brothers. Lashley looked good. It's not fair to be like, he doesn't look like this Adonis. You know what I mean? But but I I hear you. He is old as fuck, and he needs to close that book. And I'm happy that he gets to do it. And wrestling's... WWE's interesting again for me. I apologize. Um, Yeah. And also... uh, also, uh, black don't crack. That's so. That's yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> mm-hmm. But uh, oh. but yeah, um, but yeah, we'll 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 see we'll see what happens in the in the weeks and months ahead. Uh, well, hold on. Let me ask a quick question to yeah. wrap up this topic. So yeah. now you got after go, seeing this past month, no, this past Friday night on SmackDown, yeah. you now have Cody, and now you have Punk, going both going into the Royal Rumble as the heavy favorites. How do you? How do you get both people to the main event of WrestleMania? Hmm. What's your What's your most likely path? What, who wins the Rumble? And then, the, I guess, theoretically, does the runner-up... I, I think it probably, for me, I think it's Punk wins the Rumble, and then Cody goes on to the Chamber match. That's yeah. probably what happens. Yeah, that's 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 my thoughts exactly. Yeah, because like otherwise, if you have Cody winning the Rumble for a second year, that's when you can really see the fans start to turn on, turn on him. And yeah, and, and you know what? And they don't want that. Yeah. No, the, the fans are cheering, doing way too many uh, sing-alongs to his theme song to want to turn on him. Yeah. <laughs> also, hold, let me ask one more. Let me final question. Yeah. Where does Damian Priest and Money in the Bank fit in all this? Ooh, you know what? Mm. Because I feel like Phil because I feel like it. that's he catches it. He catches it. No, here we go. Here's the thing. Seth retains at Mania. <laughs> Damian cashes in. At Mania. Yes. Okay. To bite Seth in the ass, and then that sets up another story with just them two. Yeah, yeah, I like it. I don't, I don't even. Yeah, because that. Cause that been, hmm? I don't even want to see. I don't even want to see him win the Rumble. I he's 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 that's a Shawn Michaels game. You know what I mean? That's like a young man's like uh, yeah. high energy game. I don't, I don't think that's right. I don't think it's right. I you know he, there's definitely a place for him in wrestling, and most of it's on the mic. Tag matches, all this stuff. Um, I I don't think he should be winning the Rumble, and I'm hoping as because that's a great question, Ed. I'm hoping that if there's a transference of that case, that's how we see Phil figure in to Mania, because I'm I'm hoping that it's not through uh, the Rumble, especially. Mm. Yeah, and plus, like too, let's not forget uh, Gunter. Had an excellent showing at last year's Rumble. Yeah, he did. Long, longest, mean. <laughs> yeah, longest, uh, longest time, longest in ring time during that match. So, right. Yeah, um, I think I think next year, next year should be the year that they get the belt, that Intercontinental title, off of him and put him firmly in the world title scene. Which I thought was going to happen this year. I totally felt like he was going to lose the Intercontinental title, yeah. probably around this point, and then win the Rumble. But that was before Punk, obviously. Yeah. I felt like, oh man, he should win the Rumble, or even even if he wins the Rumble as Intercontinental Champion, that would have been insane to even do. But I, and then figure out who he eventually drops it to, because if it wasn't going to be Chad Gable, if it's not going to be Ricochet, if it's not going to be any other wrestler that's on Raw, where does it go? Yeah, I'd say like that's where you can maybe either you could call up maybe someone from NXT. Maybe that's where you can call up Ilya Dragunov, the only person who actually tapped out uh, Gunter mm-hmm. when he was Walter in uh, NXT. That would be a hell of a debut. Or, yeah, yeah. or, or he could even like bring up, say, Carmelo Hayes as well. That he could be... Uh, oh, he's coming, up, he's coming up for the uh, up U.S. title. On, 
Yeah, he's going for the United States title. Oh, he's, nice. he's the NXT. He's the NXT representative in the tournament. Because mm. uh, I think what the the title defense for Logan Paul's at the Rumble. I think right. If I'm remembering correctly, yes, well, they didn't so. say when. But whoever wins the tournament faces Logan Paul, and Carmelo Hayes is, is the NXT representative that's going to be in the tournament. <laughs> yeah. 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 Absolutely. But, Oh, I'm just looking at uh, Roberto's comment here. He says, "He, he <laughs> says betrayal." Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, you know something. Uh, I'm, one of the things I'm looking for when our students started a, a, spe- a special podcast about love and romance for high schoolers. Um, we we started this podcast and they called it Mangu con Salami, and we wanted uh, we wanted like uh, a Latina to lend the the voice for the intro. And I don't know if you you guys had a chance to hear this, but uh, Mercedes Monet did the did the intro for that podcast. And first of all, the student uh, who just came up with that name the week before, uh, the week after hearing that his favorite wrestler just dropped the name of the podcast that he, you know what I mean, came up with, uh, that blew his mind. But second of all, she's open. She's available just before Mania season. Right now, we've got the amazingly talented Asuka, uh, Kyrie. And um, oh, who's the other one there? Um, Eo, the, the Eo Sky, and Eo. Um, you got those guys with the New Zealander, and Bailey's the odd man out. Bailey's gonna get kicked off back to her old group of uh, Bailey, Charlotte, and um, Becky if they take her back. But they're gonna still need a fourth. Mm-hmm. They're gonna still need a fourth. And we've been talking for years about the four horsewomen, but we've never seen it in action together. This might mm-hmm. be the time. So, I mean, if we want to steal some of that thunder, you put those four back together against the, like, actual powerhouse four women, Mm -hmm. uh, which they've never really had before, a, like, four on four. They've never had that much talent, and this is the main area where AEW is buried, you know what I mean, when it comes to, like, women's wrestling. They got some up-and-comers, but they're not even close right now. I just wanted to give a quick shout-out. I think that would be dope, Um, and was wondering what you guys thought about that. Yeah, I I, I love that idea. You know, that that would be an excellent way to bring back uh, Mercedes, uh, bring her back. Uh-huh. In, uh, you can either bring her back as, as a as a Sasha Banks uh, uh, persona, or maybe keep her name, current name. But yeah, that'd be a, that'd be really dope. Like having the having like the Team Japan versus the Four Horsewomen. You know, um, yeah, uh, going going at, at WrestleMania. That would be a that would be a hell of a hell of a match for sure. This could be yo. This could possibly be like the best WrestleMania card. Like, oh my god! Yeah, with I so, so with so many of the players involved, yes, yeah. yes. Yeah, and there's why. some jealousy coming out of my voice right now. I <laughs> I hear it in your voice. I know. I know you do. Trust me, I'm happy. I am ecstatic for you. <laughs> there's a little bit of jealousy there, but yeah. Trust me, I cannot wait to be a part of that. But like, I'm so stoked. Like, I'm I am very very stoked to be a part of this potentially game changing like WrestleMania card for both yeah. nights. But also, for me, honestly, and I want to briefly touch on it, too, before we get to the Game Awards, can we talk about how good NXT Deadline was? was like, solid. Honestly, I, so last year, I did not watch the Deadline pay-per-view PLE. I didn't watch it last year. So I had no idea what the Iron Survivor match was going to be like, because I was just like, okay, it's an interesting combination of like Iron Man match, Gauntlet match, et cetera, et cetera. So I was like... What is this going to be like? How, how do you tell a good story using the Iron Survivor concept? And both matches were amazing. 
Trick Williams's comeback in the Iron Survivor in that last minute and a half, the stuff of legend of like the stuff of lore. Like you, you can't yeah. script a better payoff for Trick Williams because literally we were watching the pay per view and we're twenty minutes in and we're like, wait, Trick doesn't have a fall. Like what what's going on here? Like how, like you you're just gonna throw him away like that? And then Josh Briggs had a great showing. Dijak was awesome. Yeah, Heartbreaker was a killer. So I was just like, okay, where's this match going? And then Trick gets those quick falls in the two minutes, and I was just like, amazing, the best thing. And then you it go was a, the- it was a really really good card. Like, oh my god! And then the women's Iron Survivor match, Lash Legend doing the Roman Reigns double stack. I was just like, yep, there you go. <laughs> that was amazing. Like that was a highlight of that match for the women. Not gonna go on the list. I'm not going to yeah. go out on a limb and say, like, the black and gold brand of NXT is back because that's just that was just a wonderful time in wrestling that we'll never get back. No. But not. this was good. This yeah. was good. Yeah, NXT is super co- – like, they're consistent is what uh, we've been picking up on when, when uh, Patty and I watch NXT. It's always consistent because every person has at least some sort of character development. The managers mm-hmm. are at least really good quality. Um Every person gets used. Women's division gets used. Tag division gets used. Um, the main roster talent that come down don't water down the product or get themselves more over it, you know, than anything else. It's super consistent. That's why it's awesome to watch NXT because Raw can be inconsistent. SmackDown is it. AEW is up and down, especially because, like, you can have all the dream matches, but there's no plot or women's division to talk about. And NXT has all that combined. You just they, It slides under the radar, kind of like how Impact, like, Impact, soon to be TNA, you know, has been under the radar as, like, a consistent, good, good product. Right. That's where NXT is back to right now, like, outside of the 2.0 brand. Um, now with just consistent booking, consistent matches, it's fire. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And um, and also, too, like with NXT, like I, I really appreciate how they hit that, how they finally hit that sweet spot where you have like, you know, up and up and coming developing talents, talents, and you balance that out with the, some of the main roster talents coming down to like lend some of their star power. Because um, that, that was that balance that was missing during the NXT 2.0 era, which which yes. is where which is where I dropped off because it was a severe drop off in quality, like especially after the yeah, Black and Gold era. But I, but I'm very happy that you know they kind of righted this righted the ship again, especially under Shawn Michaels' uh, uh, tutelage for sure. Yeah. yeah, I know one thing that you're happy about. Yeah, what's beating that? me for beating me fourteen to three in these game award picks. <laughs> yes, fourteen to three. Oh yes. Um, Man, that was it was a it was a huge huge blowout. So, um, but yeah, we'll uh, yeah we'll talk about the uh, the game awards uh, results. Uh, so um, yeah, the game awards they transpired last Thursday. Uh, so we had some major winners. Uh, some of the big some of the big uh, uh, predictions I had uh, did come to pass. So we'll get to each of those categories in a bit. Um, but uh, but before we get started uh, with that, um, just just to give uh, uh, you two or Roberto and Edit some some context. Uh, so Carl and I, uh, as as is kind of like a tradition on Codex Prime, we had like a wager to see like what what film we would bet the other uh, must watch uh, if <laughs> if our predictions uh, uh, came to pass. So because I had 
I had more predictions uh, uh, on the money th this year than Carl did. Uh, Carl has to watch uh, Ari Aster's third feature film, which came out earlier this year, starring Joaquin Phoenix. Three hours of Bo is Afraid. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's, Carl, it's... Carl, did you see the other ones? Yes. Okay. Well, so you shouldn't be that... You shouldn't be that worried. Yeah, it's a uh, Victor ass, ass movie. Okay, we're always worried. It's a Victor <laughs> ass movie. But Victor earned it, man. Fourteen? You got fourteen, right? Yeah. How 14, many awards were there? Fourteen out of how many categories? Thirty? Wasn't there 30, like thirty categories? Uh, we did. Like we did uh, seventeen. Yeah, we did seventeen predictions. Wow. You got fourteen out of seventeen. Yeah. Yeah. You're you're Rain Man with this stuff. You're Rain. <laughs> Yeah, like, the, well, we're gonna bring you the casino to count cards. Well, hold on. So, to be fair, how many of those were how many of those were gimme picks? Like for example, like Forza winning best sim racing or or sports oh, racing. That, Yo, that, Ed, I, can, I, can I jump in on Ed's yeah. question? I want to yeah. I want to just jump in because yeah. I watched I did watch uh, that part of your podcast last week, yeah. and why I thought you guys were crazy is because what I understood from Jeff uh, Jeff Keeley, the guy who runs the Game Awards, yeah. formerly the VGAs, right, the Video Game Awards. Uh, is that he? He's kind of like a Meltzer type. He kind of tries to keep people happy, and in doing so, like you'll see people nominated multiple times during the night, but they'll kind of get like one nod so that he could spread the love to everybody. And that's why I thought you guys were crazy because how do you figure out that formula? But he didn't do that formula this year anyway. So one, it always seems to have a formula, but two, he completely broke from his own formula. So for Victor to get 14 out of 17, I'm starting to think Victor knew that he had the cheat code, and he just got three wrong to make it look good. <laughs> well, well, I do have a Jeff Keighley on speed dial. No, I'm kidding. No, I'm kidding. But uh, <laughs> you know, uh, you know, 14 to three, I'm not surprised. <laughs> yeah. But um, but yeah, Excuse me. I, th I think I think for me, it's like um, I I just kind of had a feeling with like some of these big categories, like um. Like for example, like Baldur's Gate three, um, um, being the the game of the year winner, because like just based on like the sheer amount of universal praise that that game has received by both like critics and fans, like I, I was looking at it, and I was like, even though I've never played it, I haven't played it yet. I'm like, how could this not win? Just based wow. on all of the industry and like critical and fan buzz that it has, has gotten since since its release. So right. that's that's where that's where I knew I was like, all right. Um, as much as I would love to see Spider-Man 2, which is my personal favorite game of the year, 2023, I just knew that it was going to be like a Ratchet and Clank, Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart situation where the nominations would just be the wins for that game and it won't come away with any yeah. top prizes. Yeah, that's how I felt with the game of the year because my out of, out of those, out of all six games, if I had if I got a chance to play it, I probably would have picked Alan Wake 2 just based off of that critical acclaim and how it made like that type of game appeals to me. Yeah. But out of, the, out of the six games, the one game that I played the most of that I would have picked as my personal would have been the Resident Evil 4 remake because mm. Resident Evil 4 is one of my favorite games of all time. I played that game at least five, six times throughout its different re-releases. So when the remake came out, I was just blown away. Like my mm. mind was blown at how much detail they put into the game itself. Um, but staying true to the original story, which is the most important part to me throughout the entire process, they, they stay true to the story. So for me, it would have been that. But I think Baldur's Gate 3 winning game of the year felt like an inevitability because I felt like with all the community aspects surrounding it and the fact that it was a an action RPG with a lot of RPG elements that you don't really see a lot of. Like it, it, in 
braces a lot of its D&D aspects to it with dice rolling and other things that are in the game as well. So I think that Baldur's Gate 3 winning was probably an inevitability, but I would have loved a Dark Horse like Alan Wake 2 to win it and just sneak right up on uh, to win the game of the year because it won Best Game Direction. And for me, most of the time, if you win Best Game Direction, you also win Game of the Year. Not all the time, but it can happen. Just, so we I, discussed that. At- <laughs> yeah, we discussed that at PAX um, when we linked up. So I felt like Alan Wake was going to be my dark horse to win, but I, I kind of had in my head that Baldur's Gate 3 was the favorite. Mm. No shade on Baldur's Gate 3 at all, because I heard it was an amazing game. But yeah. Also, yeah. not even just that, but also, did it feel like a year where like a game of the year contender didn't really get talked about the entire year? And for me, that was uh, The Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. It was nominated you know? for Game of the Year. It was nominated for Game of the Year. It was not. It had a whole bunch of praise. It was like one of the highest rated Nintendo games outside of Breath of the Wild. Obviously, it was like 96, 97 throughout the entire year. And I feel like nobody talks about it. Was it? Like the entire year. Like it won one, one award. I forget which award it won. Um, I would have to relook that up because I know Super Mario Wonder won Best Family Game. I didn't play Mario Wonder yet. Um, but Zelda won one category and I was just like, that's it. Like for a, for like a game that in 2017, when breath of the wild, um, released, it won like everything because it was like the greatest thing that ever happened to the legend of Zelda and to Nintendo Mm -hmm. since super Mario Bros. on the NES. But tears of the kingdom had the same amount of quality and the same amount of praise, but nobody talks about it. Mm -hmm. Best action adventure game. Thank you. Best action adventure game. And I feel like nobody talks about it. Yeah, I think I, I think it's like also because like because this year was so stacked with like high quality yeah. games that it was inevitable like like major releases like Zelda would end up getting not not necessarily lost in the shuffle but just kind of like put on the back burner. Um, yeah, yeah, especially like in the. In, You're right. Yeah, so it was first half of the year too. It it was not only first half of the year. But it also kind of felt like not a sequel, but like a part B or a companion to mm-hmm. the previous installment. I'm not knocking it, but I'm just saying I think there was a number of things that made it easy to get lost, easier to get lost than a Spider-Man that came out just a couple of months ago. Uh, um, so did Alan Wake. Um, what I was really surprised at was absolutely nothing for Starfield. Now. I'm not saying that Starfield belongs up there, belongs ahead of Spider-Man. It doesn't. It doesn't belong ahead of Baldur's Gate. It it doesn't, right? But it, it was an achievement. It was pretty good. And for many people, it was what Zelda is, but like for adults, right? I know that's a mockery and an oversimplification. Please don't get mad at me. I'm just trying to make an example. But uh, to have nothing was really surprising to me for the amount of things that you could do in that game. I think it's just the, I, for me, it's the Bethesda stigma more than anything else with Starfield because you're expecting like Skyrim in space or Fallout in space. And I, I know it had, there were, if I remember correctly, there were some buggy aspects of Starfield, not on the level of like a buggy game, like a, any other Bethesda release or buggy like a No Man's Sky or anything else like that. But I think that Starfield releasing is a technical aspect in itself. But you got to also consider with the Game Awards. What is the one thing that throughout the years the Game Awards has either not respected or because of themselves, they don't respect themselves to even make a good showing at the Game Awards? Xbox. Like, when was the last time we talked about an Xbox game at the Game Awards? Like, 
Truly, not the yearly Forza wins an award for racing games Bro. that nobody cares about. <laughs> Bro, <laughs> not only it is not only like you look track record. Not only is on Xbox that. X communicated from the Game Awards, but their Game of the Year released that night on Xbox. Not that day on Xbox. Not earlier that day. Not that week. Not that month. It released that night on Xbox. And neither the Game Awards nor the developer themselves who got the award cared to mention the fact that it's out on Xbox as of this moment. That was why. That's one of the things I was waiting for. Me and Angela watching these Game Awards, we're watching all the cool stuff. It was dope. The Alan Wake musical, there was really dope stuff. I'm like, man, I'm hoping that because they said it was going to be December, right? Like, it would only make sense that it's today because they want to do this announcement here. Show ends. No announcement. Come to find out, it's still on Xbox. My point is, Ed, not only are you right, but you're so right that their Game of the Year released that moment on Xbox, and they still didn't mention it. Yeah. Um, yes. Yeah, Starfield. Like, I'm. I'm. And, and plus, like, I'm. I'm kind of amazed. Like, where that. Where that. When that game was released, it had like tons of great reviews. And then, like, right. as the weeks went on, there was like sort of like a critical backlash from some of those same reviewers that noticed that okay, all those glitters ain't gold. Like, there's some bugs. There's some, some some janky issues with the game. And even among right. fans, it's like, hmm. Like maybe, maybe, maybe the, you know, maybe the the. Bethesda mechanics that we're, we're so accustomed to, maybe they're starting to age, show their age a bit. Yeah. So. Yes, and Ed's, Ed's right in calling out the Xbox stuff. A lot of people did immediately review bomb it. I'm used to watching things get review bombed because it has a black woman in it or something like that, right? Like <laughs> uh, like the, the Monarch Godzilla TV show, right? Like I saw, I was like, I bet somebody says it's woke because it has one black character in it. Look it up. Sure enough, there's people saying it's woke. Yeah. But that's not why this gets review bombed. This gets review bombed because it's Xbox exclusive. Hmm. But that shit don't work the other way around because ain't nobody review bombing Spider-Man or God of War. Or anything like that because it's PlayStation exclusive. They actually have the better exclusives, Forza aside, and nobody really reviews that review bombs that stuff. This is like some white privilege type shit where we're used to having all the things. So the fact that your community has something now that we don't, like we're gonna be upset about it and carrying out. That's what's happening. People carrying on Starfield. Starfield did not deserve to be game of the year. It was dope. It was a good time. Not game of the year, but damn, to have no nominations. Mm. Wild. Yeah, that's yeah, that's gonna be one of those like peculiar, um, peculiar snubs that uh, the Game Awards is gonna have to re- reckon with for years to come for sure. Uh, but yeah, like what are what are some of the other um, uh, um, what are some of the other results of the Game Awards that you guys were that you guys were kind of happy with, or even ones that you were kind of like kind of disagreeing with uh but but can still respect perhaps um as i'm looking through the as i'm looking through these right now has anybody played armor core 4 i mean 6 no i know it's good but i don't know anything about it it's like one of those like under the radar kind of things yeah because i don't know anything else about the other that's a yeah. regional thing those games are huge in japan yeah. Yeah, they are Actually, really huge. Honestly, he's right. Um, that, that's one hundred percent. Very true. shocked. Very shocked about uh, Mortal Kombat getting the stub. Yeah, let's talk about that. I am too. Because I yeah. look. Here's my thing about it. 
complain all you want about the microtransactions and the fact that there's like a micromanaging of a lot of the cosmetic unlocks and all that stuff with Mortal Kombat, like the Dragon Crystal stuff. I saw that controversy. I didn't play enough online to really care about it, like in terms right. of rank modes or anything else like that. But Mortal Kombat not winning, not winning over Street Fighter feels like a slap in the face. If you want to say Street Fighter is more mechanically satisfying or whatever it may be with its gameplay, say it. Like, we can have a difference of opinion on that. I can feel how I feel about Mortal Kombat. You can feel your best Street Fighter, whatever. But if you want to talk about the best, best fighting game, it should be more than that. When you think of best fighting game, you have to think of a game where what about the entire package is consistent about it. And with Mortal Kombat, the most consistent thing about Mortal Kombat being a great, better than Street Fighter is the fact that it has that story mode. It has the Thank campaign. You. Like, like that should have put it over the top just on that alone because a fighting game isn't just what you see at Evo. Like, you can get hyped about Street Fighter at Evo because everybody does. Mortal Kombat is, like, always below Street Fighter in terms of, like, Evo and all the fighting game tournaments. That's fine. But what's a better game? Just the game alone, it was Mortal Kombat because of the story mode. Absolutely. You had story. The, invasion, the invasion mode was actually really good, too. And story invasion mode. The, freak, the, the characters... The DLCs on top of that. Yep. The cast of said DLC, the voice cast of said DLCs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like they some... gave us so they gave us so much in that game. Whereas with Street Fighter, it's like for me, from my experiences, because I have both games, you you have the same formula, and I get it. If it ain't broke, don't try to fix it. But it's like. Okay, you had your little story mode where you kind of just go up to random people and just start fighting. Yeah, that yeah, the world tour mode, yeah. But it's just it, it kind of just grows stale. Like I never finished it because it kind of just like all right, well, I did like an hour of it. I was so bored. I was like, what am I supposed to be doing here in this story mode? I don't. I don't you kind of you get lost in it, correct? Yeah, I don't get it half of the time. I'm like, do I walk up to random people? Do I walk up to this person and fight? I got to spar with Luke like three times. I, I don't get it. Hmm. Y'all are sleeping. Can I just say that Nickelodeon All <laughs> Star Brawl has powdered toast man? I'm just saying it has powdered toast man. <laughs> Yo, Nickelodeon All Star Brawl came out like a week ago. Let's let, let's not throw that in the mix. Like literally before the Game Awards came, he needed out, something to fill that slot. I Jeff Keighley does that. He do, Jeff Keighley does, does that. Do that a lot. He does. That's true. Well, he yeah. absolutely throws games in a category. I'm like, wait, that game came out this year. Like, what are you talking about? Oh, it's yeah. so weird. Hey, can I ask you guys? Can I ask you guys about the? There was the controversy about their indie game uh, award and. I knew that Dave the Diver wasn't going to win because of the controversy, right? Like, it couldn't win. But Dave the Diver is, like, this indie company, but it's owned by, like, a much, much larger company. And it's Mm. one of those things where it looks like an indie game, but it has all of this money behind it. So it kind of asks the question, what is an indie game? So the community started bugging that that was even nominated, right? And it really made me wonder, right? Because I, I compare it to, I'll compare it to music. And we'll know some people who are really dope but might be self-publishing, but does that make them indie? Right? Like if Kanye did his own kind of label and broke away from the labels, is he now indie? It's still kind of big and pop and all that stuff. So, uh, That's tough. Like, I, like okay, I, I see your, what your controversy is because the... I looked it up real quick. It, Nexon is the big company, we'll say. 
and they've done a bunch of different games. They've done Maple Story, which I have heard of. So it's like the the company itself, the studio that made this game, is owned by a bigger entity. But I think that see, I'm I'm very fascinated by it because when I look at a game and I look at like Sea of Stars, it looks like it has a big AAA kind of backing behind it because you think of those classic. Um, turn-based RPGs. You think of those amazing RPGs that come out from from companies like that. And Dave the Diver, I I don't know. I think there's an like when you think of indie, I think unfortunately we're in an age right now where I think for me indies become more of an aesthetic more than a genre. Because when you think of indie, you think of okay, small publisher. They you will use retro graphics to make their point or indie is truly like a small studio like i during summer games fest for me when i watch the you know jeff Keeley's main stage okay cool i see a skate main stage i pay attention to the other um press conferences the day of the devs the wholesome games fest future game show because they have these little niche games that you never think about and you're like oh that game looks interesting and i have a couple of them for 2024 that i'm like i want to pick them up like i looked at replaced uh, there was a game called Lesfanga the Time Shape Warrior or something like that. Uh, and Dave the Diver was actually a part of this indie showcase. And I was like, oh, that looks cool. Patty liked it. We, we were both looking at it. And we're like, that's cool. And to see it get nominated, that's cool. I think indie has become more of an aesthetic more than anything else. Because look at the other games. Like Cocoon, Annapurna Interactive is a big, they've become a big publisher now more than anything else. Because Stray was nominated last year for a lot of Game of the Year awards. Um, Dredge is made is published by Team Seventeen. Team Seventeen's been around for decades, so there's that. So and Sea of Stars is made by Sabotage Studio. I don't know too much about them, but I think you know calling the game indie is more based off of the studio behind it and the amount of people that work on it. If it's a small team of like five to fifteen us, people that are working, bro, on it the should game, be us. It should be the four of us. Yeah. The four of us make a game that should be an indie game. And if we see the studio behind Dredge. Right. Like come up and or the studio behind Cocoon, who's made games that everybody's played before, come up and win an award that we're nominated for in the indie category. I'd be pissed. Yeah. Can I throw one more note at you, Victor? Yeah. Uh, when you asked about uh, any observations from the, the game awards, I just I just want to give like a real heartfelt shout out. And I know it sounds like some kind of swerve is coming because it's me. Right. The CM Punk. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, a, but an actual heartfelt shout out to the redemption arc of cyberpunk yeah i'm I'm so excited uh like from cd project red who i love i love their stuff uh historically and uh, i thought their project was dope and maybe a hair too ambitious to begin with and and it just got super criticized probably more because of xbox's parody rule you know what i mean and them trying to have parody across uh consoles than the actual product that they delivered. Um, but to be able to come out and have this triumph where they have like the best living game or whatever, the best evolution game. And they, and they deserve it, man. It's been it's been dope. That thing reminds me very much. Victor, you'll probably appreciate this, man. If you know this one going way back, but Escape from New York, that's what it feels like living in East Providence today. But Escape from New York, uh, that that uh, Kurt Russell movie from way back in the day, John Carpenter, I think. Yeah. Um, this new cyberpunk saga feels very much like Escape from New York, and you're dealing with Idris Elba, 
the whole time. Uh, it was dope, and it was really nice that after they got just thrashed over the past mm-hmm. few years to yeah. really have that triumphant moment. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Like, because like Cyberpunk 2077, like I, I really, I've got, I've gotten, a, I've had a chance to, I finished the game last year when, when, when it was, when it was like uh, patched and playable, but now I'm, I'm, I'm really looking forward to like revisiting it with all of the overhauls, with all the new uh, t- tweaks the that they made to the mechanics. Yep, yeah, the, the 2.1 update has a lot. Like I saw that trailer, I was just like, oh man, that's gonna go big time. And you got Phantom Liberty that also really helped flesh out the story a lot more. Yep. And I think also the game being a lot more price efficient also helped because I picked it up. I just threw it in my library because it was like like there was a sale last Christmas and it was like twenty five dollars. I was like, that seems like a good price point to pick it up at. Full price, it was not worth it. But twenty five at the time, I was like, okay, that's cool. And then I'll probably get a sa- wait for a sale on Phantom Liberty. But just the overhaul of stuff they've done on that game is impressive. So I do give it a lot, you know, a lot of credit for a hundred percent for um, what they did. Yeah, it reminds me of No Man's Sky. Like, remember yep. how bad that was gonna be my Ooh. that was gonna be my point. A hundred percent. Um, I'm oh, remember right here. I want to bring up two one about the award show and one about a specific award. I'm gonna do a specific award because I know there's a big granular topic that we do need to discuss with the game awards when we get to the next part of the topic. When was Baldur's Gate three a multiplayer game? I forgot that it was, and I was like, I saw it win best multiplayer game. I was like, how? It is. It, but your question remains how. It has co-op, <laughs> even though it's a turn-based game, and what you have to do to make it co-op, if the four of us wanted to play together, is what I consider to be so prohibitive that you have to consider whether or not it's worth playing multiplayer. Here's what you have to do. So you have a party in the game. For those of you who played Mass Effect or any of these games before, there's other characters that you can recruit to your crew. Mm-hmm. Uh, this game's very similar. You can recruit people to your crew. Now... If I want to let Victor in and then Carl in and then Ed comes in, I'm like, all right, I got my boys playing with me. That's dope. Well, it's still a turn-based game, so now we're going to be waiting for everybody to modify their stuff and make sure they're not running around encumbered. But also, when Victor brings in his character, it's Victor's created character, which now takes up one possible slot out of everybody that I can have in my party permanently. Victor, in that particular game, under that particular uh, save, Victor's character, whether he's playing or not, will always be somebody who's at my camp. And so will uh, Carl's and so will Ed's. So it costs you to play with your friends because then there's other characters. You're going to be missing out on some of the stories that are written in the game for narrative purposes. Hmm. Hmm. Uh, yeah, that's yeah, that's that's a pretty... That kind of almost sounds like not only prohibitive, but it sounds like a punitive approach to multiplayer. Yeah, like you can only select one one person and one other friend of yours to, to play with you, and that's it. Yeah. Wish it was like Diablo, where I could just jump in, you know what I mean? I could just jump in and start swinging my sword. Right. Uh, but for narrative purposes, then it kind of doesn't make sense. You've got all these plot holes that you're going to start to develop. So I get it, but there's also ways to do it. You would have to make a much less complex game for that to work in, in that simplistic yeah. way. So, I mean, right. I understand the I understand the Catch-22. And yeah, so do I. But looking at the awards, I'm like, okay, I know Party Animals looks cool because I used to play a lot of Gang Beasts, so I would have that would have been an interesting pick for Game of the Year or for the best multiplayer game. But at that point, I would have just rather that Mario Wonder won it because it won Best Family Game, and usually, you know, games for the family are all about that multiplayer aspect. Right. And 2D Mario embracing 
the co-op aspect of it and embracing four-player co-op just seemed like a natural fit for that award out of out of the other choices like diablo sure okay um and street fighter 6 no because fighting games are not usually in the same breath as multiplayer so that nomination didn't make any sense but i would have probably given it to mario yeah another filler another filler but, so what Diablo, was... but Mario's qualifiable too. Sorry, Carl. Yeah. So what were some of y'all's favorite announcements that were made? Uh let's go with the obvious. Let's start well, let's start with the obvious one. That's the biggest, like, oh my god, I can't believe they're doing this. Blade. Blade is hundred yeah. percent my choice for the announcement that threw me I'm off because I'm scared for Blade. In what aspect? I'm curious. I feel like I mean, because it's well, the way the the way the trailer looked. All right, it's, for trust me, I am excited. Like a Blade game, you know that's gonna be dope. You know me, I'm a Marvel fan, but I don't know. I just feel like it didn't really quite look. <clears throat> excuse me, it didn't really quite look like Blade. Like when I saw Bethesda was doing it, I'm like, okay, I'm thinking maybe something on the lines of like an Elder Scrolls Skyrim game because that's like the nature of the character and stuff. But then it's like, it's looking like Deathloop. So mm-hmm. I was so I'm kind of like, eh, this may not be like the type of Blade. It's not the type of Blade that I'm looking for, but I, I hope to be proven wrong. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I trust Arcane Studios because I... You know, I played a little bit of Deathloop. It was really, really cool. And I loved um, Dishonored. Like, Dishonored okay. in terms of, like, a game where you have that. You can do stealth. You can do straight action if you want to. You can mix and match the gameplay. Um, I thought Dishonored was amazing. I thought Deathloop was really, really cool. So I trust that if it was any other studio, if it was just Bethesda Studios making Blade, I would have been skeptical because I would have been like, I don't know. Like, what are you trying to do right now? But because they're specifically acknowledging Arcane Studios, mm-hmm. I at least will I have a bigger benefit of the doubt than anything else. Because I at least okay. trust like, okay, Arcane Studios, they've done they've had some great games under their belt. I trust them. Like I trust that they have a different vision. And it's third person, they confirmed. Um, so it's a, it's a third person action game. It's not first person like Dishonored and Deathloop were. So right. okay. That that at least gives me something to work off of. Um Valhalla, and for some reason my God of War just will not download again, just so I can play it. I'm pissed. <laughs> not only, hold on, not only is there this new God of War content, but it's free. Yeah, thank you. Free what? DLC. What? I, that's the first time I am. I'm not a tribalist. I say this all the time. I have favorites, absolutely. I have favorites amongst my students, and if I had more than one kid, I'm telling you, I'd have a favorite. But. I'm not a tribalist. When it comes to systems, though, I, I I get mad at the PlayStation for so many things. Usually because of stuff like this, I usually see vaporware. Usually at shows like this, they'll announce. Uh, I don't know if anybody's old enough to remember the Emotion Engine when they showed the Emotion Engine at one of the E3 conferences, and it's this face moving around. It's like, damn, look at what they could do. It was never an application that they used in their games. It was never a thing that actually transpired. Uh, and I find PlayStation guilty of that all the time. Uh, I've got a chip on my shoulder when it comes to PlayStation. Usually PlayStation irks me. This had me cheering for PlayStation. As somebody who didn't even get through the entire last God of War campaign, I'm still like, yo, this looks dope. I know. Look, I know. I saw Carl's face followed by Victor's face. I saw them. I know. I'm on it. But I'm saying that was exciting. I'm amazed 
that nobody here, because I thought, here's what I thought. When I'm, when I'm talking about odd man out, it's not just PlayStation stuff. Where I really think I'm the odd man out, where I really think I'm the weirdo, is when it comes to Kojima. Because like everybody, I've had those moments where I thought Kojima was the best. Metal Gear Solid 2 was like one of the heights of gaming. Oh and my God, since yes. then, uh, since then, for me, it's been a lot of bullshit and that people get like super hyped about. You might love it, but I didn't want to deliver like fetuses in the middle of the apocalypse starring <laughs> Daryl Dixon. Right? That you wasn't my Am- You didn't want to be Amazon Man, the game. I, that was not. That was not something that looked intriguing or interesting me. to me. So, uh, one, I think it's wild that he's teaming up with. Uh, oh, which one is it? Jordan um, Peele. Jordan Peele. He's teaming yeah. up with Jordan Peele. Has all of these other stars by his his side. And it's going to be an Xbox game, so he's mm. on the other tribe now. Uh, I expected this to have all the buzz, and I'm from somebody who doesn't even really get Kojima. And I have not heard much about it. This was like the underrated announcement to me. Yeah, like um, like, I'll, like I'm, I'm excited at the prospect of uh, Kojima and Jordan Peele teaming up for a game. And even though it's going to be an Xbox exclusive, I'd still... Want to see want to see where they go because I know like um, I know Kojima like he's definitely leading mo- further and further into like that kind of like happy medium between film and video games like like with Death Stranding working with uh, uh, Guillermo del Toro and Nicholas Winding Refn um, and now with Jordan Peele like I'm I'm willing to see, I'm 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 kind of excited to see more more so more so like what innovations he'll bring uh, to uh, to gaming like for example with Death Stranding like. I know it's like it can be seen as Amazon Man the game I admit, even though I really like the game. Um, but but um, but I, I did appreciate like that that strand mechanic that he that he introduced uh, uh, to that to that title. So I'm very interested in seeing what innovation, what gameplay innovation he'll bring to OD. Um, and even though it's an it's an Xbox exclusive, like I think that it's just if anything that can probably inspire other developers or even other creators to just think of something even more unique for themselves too. So Exactly. You yeah, Xbox yeah. lucky motherfuckers. <laughs> so, <laughs> but, um, oh, you, oh God. That probably, that's the one time that you guys are happy to own a mini fridge. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, my PlayStation yeah. is collecting dust right now. Just FYI. I know I need to finish that God of War. Honestly, game, that's me and my God Xbox. It's my, it's my Game Pass box. Let me, let me, let's be real about my Game Pass box and any games that I played on my 360 and Xbox One. Spider-Man was it. Spider-Man was it for me. Mm. Yeah. Um, the Sega announcements, what did y'all think? I huh? love Sega. For me, this is the Sega renaissance. Like, I think that's Thank awesome. You. Like, because, look, Sega in its own right, depending on how you feel about some of their releases, like, yeah, they're the Persona. Like, they, I know Sega publishes Persona with through Atlas and... Both Sonic games, like Origins Plus and Superstars, they were good. Like, don't get me wrong. I liked Superstars. I didn't, like, fall in love with it or anything else like that. Um, but I liked it. It was cool. Like, I didn't feel like I wasted my money at all. It was actually a really good game. And Sonic Origins, just, okay, more ways to play classic Sonic. Not even going to be mad about it. Whatever. But I think what I saw in one minute through Sega told me that there is a lot going on here that's actually moving in a positive direction. You saw snippets of them make. Mm, you saw snippets of them making a new Jet Set Radio game, Shinobi as a side-scrolling action game, Golden Axe as like this 3D action adventure game, Streets of Rage is a 3D brawler, 
and then Crazy Taxi being Crazy Taxi, like the familiar Crazy Taxi. Plus, there's still more games in development. Like that, right. they're not done yet. Mm-hmm. These are just the, here's five games that we're gonna tease, and then have fun with it. And I was just like, okay, Sega, I see you're taking yourself seriously now. Thank you. It's, you're not now, just is the it a, uh, yeah. now is it just now is it gonna be a new system, or they just re-release it? They just Coming out with new games. No, no, no. These are uh, they're develop. It's new games in development. Like they're actually, if I'm reading IGNs, it's they. It's new entries in the franchises. Okay. So these see these are going to be new games. A new system right now. I I know I'm a I know I'm a futurist. I know I'm a tech guy, and I know this is like my other hat, my other job. But a new system right now would be like trying to open up a new blockbuster. It's stupid. It's just not a. It's just not a thing to do. Maybe you'll have a sequel to the current systems, the current gen systems for your loyal people who need something to put a disc in. Um, but this stuff is outdated, just like you know, just like DVD players are. I'm sorry, Victor. I know you got a whole collection. I know you got a whole collection worth thousands and thousands of dollars. But what I'm telling you is, uh, is for general populations, this stuff's digital. There are people. Uh, I forget which game it was. Uh, I think it's Baldur's Gate 3 for Xbox, where you still have to, not only when you buy the disc, you still need the internet to, like, make the system, yeah, make the game once. work. Yep. You gotta, yeah, because you got to, like, load up all the... Patches. It makes no sense. Then why have the disc if I need the internet to, like, solidify everything, right? Dicks, discs, not dicks, discs <laughs> are obsolete at this point. Um, and it's just, it's a wild thing, man. It, it, for people who have a Steam Deck... Right, people with a P- PC, like you were saying already, a Game Pass machine. You can put your Game Pass on your PC. You can get a micro PC and put the PC on your TV. Uh, I've got Steambox. Uh, I'm sorry, Steam Deck like devices. I'm using the ROG Ally. Even the even the Oculus Three is running Game Pass now. There's a million ways that you can play Xbox and PlayStation games and not needing new hardware. My point is, sorry, Carl. My point was. Uh, Sega needs to stay out of that game. Software is their game. And mm-hmm. I went fucking bonkers when they made this announcement because the only thing I would disagree with, I don't know, I think it was Ed maybe when he was like, oh, we got another crazy taxi. It looks like the one. It is not. There's like police chases and stuff. This looks like need for speed kind of crazy taxi. Bro, I know I'm older than you guys. I know I'm older than you guys. But Jet Set Radio? Jet Set Radio is my fucking jam. Jet Set Radio is my jam. It's one of my all times. I need that list with. Uh, I I wasn't that impressed with what um shit. What's their medieval Golden uh, Axe? Golden Axe. I wasn't Gold. that impressed with what I saw from Golden Axe, but I was so excited to see Golden Axe back. Yeah. I need those four, and now let's add uh, Space Channel Five, and I'm just happy. I'm just happy. Add Space Channel Five, and then maybe uh the guy with the maracas. And I'm good. I'm just going to the Amigo. Yeah. Samba de Amigo. Did they just make a new one of that, too? I feel like they just Also made on virtual reality, yes. I, that's <laughs> what I thought it was. Yeah. Uh, sidebar. Uh, to your point. Um, I'm just laughing at a comment by uh, uh, by Patty, which I will not read on the air. But, uh, <laughs> uh, but uh, <laughs> I know. With the no, 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 no. I'm, I'm kind of. Uh, look, listen. listen dicks, the, the, dicks are obsolete. The, the, I mean, look, that, that that's a true statement depending on who you ask in this time. And we're in a time and day in terms of our modern society where that's probably a valid statement in the community somewhere. 
So oh. we'll, we'll just we'll leave it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I I I will say like uh just a just a, just a quick uh quick addendum to uh, to the point about like um like optical discs being obsolete. I'll say like for I I I, I wouldn't go that far uh just yet. I know like for video games that's definitely I would definitely agree with you more on, on that to that end, Roberto, in the sense that for like for like games for example like Jedi Survivor is like a is like a great example of how that the disc is like just a glorified installer where the actual game you just download. Um, so I think that's where games are going in that direction. But I think like for, for, for films, like, I, th- I think there's, th- that'll still be that niche where like, I think that's where nice. boutique labels like Criterion and Arrow Video and Kino Lorber will probably c- continue to carry the torch, uh, for, for titles. Um, I, I do, I am dreading the days where to the point where like new theatrical releases will just be streaming only. And, and, and that's, I, I don't know how I feel about that. Uh, but, but I think that with, with uh, at least with film in the film film realm, we'll still have discs around as like it, it, even if it does become like a niche market like like vinyl records, you know. But but yeah, uh, but yeah, um, I, I will say too like for other games that I'm that, that I'm intrigued by, um, I will say I, uh, with with echoing Angela's sentiments of Harmonium, it does look great. It does look like a like a nice nice cute little title. Um, I am also intrigued about uh, Jurassic Park Survival. Like I'm, I'm, I'm. I think that looks cool. Yeah. Yeah. Like a, like a, yeah, but I feel it's the closest thing we'll get to a Dino Crisis remake. Possibly, yeah. Possibly, like yeah, uh, no, Dino, RP Dino Crisis, right? Yeah. Um, just like a first-person survival mode, like that, running from dinosaurs. That was Capcom, right? Like yeah, yeah, that was. Yeah, Dino Crisis was Capcom. Yeah. So this one, Victor, this one takes place right after the events of the first movie. So you are now, like, the first, all those events have just happened, and now you are, like, left on the island to fend for yourself. I think it's an interesting premise, and I think it's a really good use of the license in ways that I haven't really seen before. I know there was a 2D game that came out a long, long time ago that was really cool. They had a point-and-click shooter game that was okay. One of their best games was on VR, and that's why nobody knows it, and it actually used the license. It was Jurassic Park, and it was like a third, that was most like... Uh, Dino Crisis, except it was cell shaded like Jet Set Radio kind of thing, mm-hmm. um, and and that was really good. But I've never really seen uh, like must have Jurassic Park game, and this could be it. Yeah, yeah absolutely. That's true. Yeah, yeah. Um, I agree on that one. Yeah. Uh, and what was it? What was the uh, what was an announcement that stuck out that stood out to you? I got here. Matter of fact, I don't. We'll get into other announcements as we go along. But I think an announcement that should have never happened was when um, the creators of No Man's Sky came on stage. Don't do this again. I don't, <laughs> Jeff Keighley, do not do this again. Oh, we know what happened yeah. with Sean Murray, Hello Games, when they first talked about No Man's Sky. And he made yeah. he went on like 15 different shows. And on each show, he said a different thing about No Man's Sky that never happened. And it took him seven years I think I don't. I think No Man's Sky came out in what 2016. I want to say 2016, 17. Okay, yeah. Time frame. It took five years before the game actually became what it should have been. Hmm. Don't do this again. Like Sean Murray, learn your goddamn lesson. Do not get on stage and talk about this. And we're gonna make this big, ambitious game called Light No Fire, and it's gonna be online multiplayer. <laughs> you get to build. You get to craft. You get to do co-op stuff. Don't show me something until you 
do this, bro. You get, to, you get to run up a mountain. That was the that was like the one talking point. You get to run up a mountain. I was like, why is that? Are people sold right now? <laughs> no, listen. Sean Murray needs to learn from Nintendo. If you're gonna do anything like Nintendo, shut your mouth until you're ready to. Sh- until you're like a year away from releasing your game or six months, then I'll be interested in your game. Because as you fix No Man's Sky, your goodwill is back. That game is good for whoever likes it. I'm not a fan of it, but that's just me. I don't. That's not my type of game. But for those who love it, I'm glad you got your game. Just kind of like how we got Cyberpunk. Great. Right. Don't do this. Don't do it again. Yeah. Shut up. Go away. Make your game and come back to me in like 2030 when your game is actually going to be good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, I kind of had some. I kind of had some similar feelings where I was like, I was like, come on, Jeff Keighley, don't, don't set this man up for failure. Like, like, let's not <laughs> have to repeat yourself. Jeff Keighley's not going to take any blame for it. He's going to be like, man, I don't know what you're talking <laughs> about. <laughs> mm. Um. Oh, oh. Speaking of speaking of uh, speaking of games that um. And, and and hype. How about that Skull and Bones finally getting a release date? I, I forgot totally that game was that. real. <laughs> you know, no joke. I legit thought that that game was already out. out. Uh, and I'm like, I thought, that game got, I thought that game got canceled. Yeah, honestly. Yeah, it's coming out. Apparently, the new release date is February 16th, 2024. That and the Dr. Dre's detox of video games. It really is. I cared. <laughs> really I cared when. When Black Flag was the best Assassin's Creed game, and it wasn't just Ezio and shit like that, but you're actually freeing slaves and uh, running the seas, right? Mm-hmm. That's when yeah. I cared about this announcement. And since then, we've got this multiplayer Sea of Thieves game, which I tried out. It's not for me. My son enjoys it with his friends and stuff like that. So it has its audience. But, like, what does this game have to offer that Sea of Thieves is not already doing mm-hmm. or... That hasn't been outdated by this concept from a game that I enjoyed ten years ago. Yeah, I 100% agree with you. And and also, CFDs has so much character behind it. Like, yeah, it's it's on at its core, it's a pirate co-op game. But there's enough silliness to it because it's made by Rare. That like, okay, there's a little bit of fantasy element to it. It's cartoony, but it's still cool. It, it does what it does. But Skull and Bones, from all the gameplay trailers I saw from two years ago, it's so straight laced in 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 it being a pirate swashbuckling adventure that it doesn't feel like it has any more wiggle room for any type of personality to show through with it. Like see if these is inherently campy, but you love the camp. And that's why a lot of people still play it to this day. Skull and Bones doesn't have that, which is why I thought it got canceled. I didn't know it was coming out. Oh yeah. I, I think, I think, I think the reason why I, why I thought that was, that game was already out. Cause I, I was thinking of sea of thieves. Yeah. So uh. yeah. So, okay. <laughs> um, yeah. One game that stood out to me, that was like, you know what? It's not Ghost of Tsushima 2, but I'll still cop it, and I feel like it's going to be like a sleeper, mm-hmm. is Rise of the Ronin. Oh, yeah, that looks cool. That does look really cool. It does, yeah. Yeah, that might be a sleeper hit uh, if, if, it, if it drops. Yeah, I'm kind of intrigued about that. Um, I'm, also, I'm also excited that uh, Black Myth Wukong is actually coming out in August. One of the oh man, that looks insane. It got my attention. Yeah, that got it did my, get yeah. my attention. Yeah, what was the because I, I know what the myth it's based off of it's based off a of journey to the west. Oh, now I'm blanking because there was a 360 game that came out. Oh, enslaved, the same thing. Yeah. Enslaved Odyssey yeah. to the West, yes. Yeah. And that game was loosely based off of the same topic. Um, yeah. so but this is straight to its like core, um, 
historical and mythical roots. So I think that I think it looks insane. No, no Shaq ever enslaved. That was a dope ass game that nobody. That played. was a dope. Oh it my was. god, yeah, it's, it's literally on many people's list of like underrated 360 games. Enslaved Odyssey to the West, and I was like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's true. Yep. You know, this announcement opening up the show, and I feel like nobody like already like doesn't even give a damn about it. Exodus with Matthew McConaughey. I for, I completely forgot about that game. Oh yeah, yeah, he was completely he was forgot. Uh, yeah, um, like Exodus the game. It kind of reminds me of like, is this the closest thing we're gonna get to like Interstellar, the video game? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, because that, that was a good movie, but I was you know, hmm, okay. Um, let me see. Let's see, there were, I'm, I'm actually scrolling through the other um, announced games. Uh, one game that I, I can say that I'm not really interested in is uh, Suicide Squad: Kill the Justice League. I think you already it, lost your attention. Yeah, I think it's going to be another Gotham Knights situation. Bad news, Ed. Bad news, Ed. Uh, I'm not saying that uh, I know somebody who's working on that game. But uh, if I did, if I did, let's say I asked him exactly what uh, was it Victor who just said that it's you know it's not saying you're not saying that it's going to be another Suicide Squad or oh, Gotham Knights. Gotham Knights. Yeah, yeah. uh, so I asked that question, and uh, I was. I'm just saying, under this hypothetical scenario, I was uh, met with, um, I, I was, I was, I came away understanding that it's another Gotham Knights kind of scenario, uh, it just in a in different scope, in a larger scope, uh, much more ambitious, um, and a lot of cool things going for it, but a game that should not be coming out this February. Oof. Uh, so I... So I'm not holding out hope. Can I also, can I, now's the time to throw this in because I know uh, I'm not the only one here. I, I was not disappointed about Spider-Man not winning awards. Uh, I got a dope game that I really loved, Spider-Man. I didn't need it to win awards to validate it. Baldur's Gate should have won the award. But I know a lot of us here are fans of the game, especially because uh, they are moving, Miles Morales is the Spider-Man moving forward. And that's like a hell yes to Puerto Rican Roberto who grew up on Spider-Man. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> But watching this stuff, watching the way that that developed, that kind of, it feels like a spiritual sequel to the old Batman games, Arkham Knight series, right? Which is what Suicide Squad should be, which is what Gotham Knights should be. And they're not. They're these pale comparisons of the game that they spawned from, but its spiritual successor is Spider-Man. That's the game that feels like it came from that Arkham Knight series. The, The fighting style is the same uh and so much of it is is constructed in the same way the way that it interchanges with uh live action scenes versus the gameplay scenes um it just really makes me wonder what the hell happened to suicide squad and gotham knights and some of the other bastardized sequels I, a multiplayer multiplayer got in the way because you look at the arkham series and you look at how amazing and tight that is a single player experience even going up to batman arkham knight and even the forgotten Batman Arkham Origins. Then you look at Spider-Man. Of course, Spider-Man, Miles Morales, and then Spider-Man 2. You look at the upcoming Wolverine game that Insomniac's making. You look at the Wonder Woman game that's coming out soon. They're tightly focused, single-player aspects, one superhero who's fully fleshed out in a world, depending on how you want to shape the world, whether it's New York City or whether it's a specific area, Gotham, um, or the whole city of Gotham. Um, with Wolverine, it has its own different setting with 
Wonder Woman, it has its own different setting. I think when you get into Gotham Knights and when you get into Suicide Squad, I think that you're trying to develop way too many characters. And there and it's based off of this preconceived notion that like I don't know if I want to play multiple like it seems very chaotic for the gameplay style because when you have that broody, brawling gameplay that DC is known for with the Arkham series, adapted at in the multiplayer doesn't feel like it works. Like in a way, Guardians of the Galaxy kind of made it work. Right, I was going to say that. But it is a single, it's still a single-player game, but you have these assists in a multiplayer aspect, and the AI can do their own thing, which is great. But I think that when you try to have all the different characters control all at once, it, something doesn't feel right. Mm. And I can't put my finger on what it is when I look at Gotham Knights and when I look at Suicide Squad. It, something doesn't feel right, and I can't put my finger on what it is. And I think that the mo- multiplayer partly has to do with it. Yeah, and 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 I think too, looking at looking at like Gotham Knights, for example, I th- I think there's also um because like there's also this uh this thing where they're taking that that open world concept and trying to apply like the same style of gameplay to all of those characters, which kind of either misunderstands or ignores what those characters' abilities are. Like, for example, like, in, in the Arkham games, like, as Batman, yes, you can you can swing around, you can use your grappling gun, you can, like, traverse the city, like, through the skies with, with his with his cape. But, like, in, in Gotham Knights, like, notice how they tried to retrofit that same traversal ability with all four characters, like, with Red Hood. Like, he's able, like, to, to like, manifest, like, red platforms in the air, just jumping from rooftop to rooftop. And, like, and... and and like Batgirl can can just swing around and like use her cape to fly around everywhere. So it's like everyone has like that same similar style of gameplay where that open world concept doesn't really isn't really compatible with 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 all of those heroes' <laughs> abilities. So rather than playing, so I think like the better approach would have been to like to like take a game to take take a game if you're gonna have like an open world aspect and like have have like sections of the game where you can play as specific characters in specific sections using their abilities that makes sense rather than like trying to like awkwardly give the, everyone everyone the same style of gameplay. So I think that too kind of like kind of like muddies the whole formula too. Right. Yeah. And um yeah, and and also too um like looking at looking back at some of the uh, winners of the game awards um I was I was very pleased to see uh Alan Wake two be one of the major winners like like Sam Sam Lake winning uh, best narrative as well or accepting the award for best narrative because Sam Lake like he's one of the best game writers like for the past twenty years since Max since Max Payne you know from Max Payne the trilogy to Control. Yep. Uh, to this game and Alan Wake 2 is phenomenal. Like I'm still playing through it, so I'm still like halfway through right now. So that game is definitely <laughs> worth the narrative. Uh, Didn't they that. make a Max Payne movie? Uh, we don't talk about that. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, we, we don't, yeah, yeah, yeah. That that movie's not real to me, therefore it doesn't exist. Is that real? Yep, it is. <laughs> um, yeah. It's not real to him. Damn it. Um, and speaking of Max Payne, I would love to see Max Payne 3 get ported to like the PS4, PS5, because I want to play that game again without hooking up my PS3. Uh, but um, but also looking at some other awards, uh, Best Performance. Um, this is where I thought that Spider-Man 2 would finally win one award, because Yuri Lowenthal was excellent in, 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 in this game. But, you know, not, not, not mad at, at all at Neil Newborn winning for Baldur's Gate for his performance as uh, Asterion. Um Let's see some other 
and also some other uh, some other games. Um, I did get a little chuckle when we was like, "All right, we was making our picks, and we're like, all right, best adaptation.'" We just looked at each other like, "You know, couldn't have well like oh, Last of Us was good." Oh, Last of Us that that was one that I called. That was a that was a layup. That was one that yeah, that thing that thing was winning before the category even got announced. <laughs> yeah, before the category that episode. Got uh shit. What, who's uh who's the guy who plays Ron Swanson? That oh. dude from uh Oh gosh. Oh uh Nick uh Nick Swartz? Nick, Nick Offerman. Offerman. Nick Offerman. Nick Offerman. There it is. Yeah. Nick Offerman, his episode was I I remembered this part of the game, right? Like I remembered this part of the game, but it was nothing like fleshing out developed story that they told. And Nick Offerman's acting in there so far different from anything I've ever seen him do. That was one of the best episodes I saw on television of any show this year, let alone a video game adaptation. That was amazing. If I'm I'm just saying if that other shit, what's the uh what's the one that everybody loves from PlayStation? If Twisted Metal won this here, I would have been pissed off. <laughs> I would I would have been pissed off. So yeah, that one had to win. While we're on the subject of uh dope acting in games, uh especially PlayStation style, I thought it was rude as fuck in a hilarious way, but rude as fuck when they had Christopher Judge come up to, uh, to you know, uh, what was he uh, announcing? He was making it. He was announcing he, he, the nominees. He was the presenter was the first for, best announcement. Announcement. for best performance. And they, he was the... and they played him off after last year's debacle. Like I get it. And oh my god! Don't get me started on. <laughs> I thought don't it was. Get me I, so I thought it was just a joke, and it was right. Like I get it. It was. It was a joke, and it was. You know, a little egg on his face or whatever after last year. It was a little bit of a rub. I'm ho- I'm hoping that he was in on it. But then they proceeded to do that for everyone for the rest of the night. Yeah, and it was but, really uncomfortable. And <laughs> that was the big. Uh, let's now let's branch off because like I was gonna talk about Fortnite, but I don't care about Fortnite having like three new games in one game. Fortnite, do your thing as long as I'm not paying for it. I don't care. But the, the biggest. Pro- but the biggest problem with the Game Awards as a whole <laughs> that was the that was the most noticeable was the fact that they really didn't give any respect to a lot of the game developers, a lot of the actors, a lot of things that weren't like these intense Jeff Keighley Hollywood connections. Like, okay, fine. You start the show, you have Christopher Judge come on, you play the music, and you're like, okay, that's a little joke because he did go on a long time last year. Fine, yeah. whatever. It, it, it's a silly thing, but he was awesome. I didn't I didn't mind it. Fine, be stupid. I don't care. Yeah, but the then throughout the show... Right. The, oh, the Call of Duty joke was actually pretty hilarious because Call of Duty this year was pretty crap. So that's one thing. Um, but they got, the they whole, got butthurt about that, I heard. They did really get butthurt. They wanted, they were making a massive like complaint about it. I'm like, not my fault your game sucked this year. Like, Modern Warfare 3 was god-awful. Like, that's not my fault. Whatever. Hmm. The playing all you want, Activision. It's not, not my fault your game sucks. But... The problem for me throughout the entire show was that you have these people coming on stage. You have like two people representing their game. And you're like, hey, we want to thank all these people. And especially coming off the back of we still have these issues in the game industry where you're still having these layoffs by these big publishers while a lot of the CEOs are making tons of profit. You still have aspects of the game industries that are still problematic to this day, like crunch, overwork, um, harassment in the office like those things are still problematic there were protests outside of the peacock theater for people who were laid off and people who were still experiencing um, workplace harassment in the game industry and those things need to be talked about mm. but then you 
go into the Game Awards show and you give um, Kojima 10, 12 minutes to talk. You give McConaughey all this time to talk about a game that not really people cared about. You gave Simu Liu on stage with a broken ankle or <laughs> whatever happened, the injury that he suffered, presenting a game that, like, okay, it's a cool StarCraft-like strategy game, but nobody cares because it's not StarCraft. But then you actually do the presentations of, like, hey, here are these amazing people that worked on these games that you love, and they get 30 seconds. And that clock was running. Like, somebody took a picture or had a video of the the clock, and it was running fast. And it's just like, wrap it up now. And it's like, that's disrespectful, especially when, I forget which game it was. It might have been for Baldur's Gate. But one of the studios went up to present, and they talked about, you know, people they lost along the way. Like, one of the publishers passed away after the development and during the publishing and everything else. And they were telling a heartfelt story about, like, how his loss really you know, shaped us as a studio. We miss him so much, but he would have wanted us to keep going and make sure this game was exactly what he wanted it to be. And they nearly cut off that entire end of that speech, and that was disrespectful. Now, like, was this the last half hour? I want to say it was. I don't. Yeah, really I, I didn't get a chance to. I didn't get a chance to watch the last, the last half hour. I'll have to look it up for you, but I think yeah. it was. Because mm. so I'm pretty sure I can tell you which award it was. But I'll find that out in a moment. But that was the most disrespectful part about the entire award show is you have people presenting who or not even just presenting, excuse me, people who accepted awards who came on stage and got no chance to really soak in what they were receiving. And then you still have the rundown of like, here's five awards and nobody cares. You know, you don't even give them time to breathe. Right. Because we, need to get, we need to do more commercials for games that some people care about. Like, I saw a suggestion on Twitter that at some point you have Summer Games Fest. Why don't you do the Game Awards, the Winter Games Fest? Like, the day before or earlier in the day, you do a presentation of, like, here's all the awesome trailers. And then you can save, like, five of them for the Game Awards. Fine, because that's just the nature of the games industry. But give more time to the people who make these games. Like, don't make them as disposable as the CEOs already do to this point. Give them more time. Give them two minutes. Like, you can put a two-minute timer and say, hey, talk about your game. Talk about the people you want. If you can stay under it, cool, but let's max it out here because I think that gives you enough time to breathe. Um, but they course-corrected way too much, and the hypocrisy that came about, especially when you have 15 minutes of Kojima and everybody fawning over Kojima being the greatest thing since sliced bread, that really um, had a sour taste. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of with you there too because I noticed too, like uh, how how they just had like major categories and these just like rattle off all the nominees, or Keeley was like not rattling off all the nominees and then just announced the winner and they're like, okay, on to the next one, and yeah, that was definitely a, a, a course overcorrection right there. So, because I was thinking, well, wait a minute, like these are these are some pretty heavy categories. I mean, I mean, I'm sure like there were people there in in the Game Awards who. Who who probably were who probably were winners of those categories who probably had a speech prepared or wanted something but they were like oh uh, I won oh well great I'm just gonna sit in my seat and like, celebrate I guess so he I'm needed gonna... to talk to Gonzo he yeah. needed to talk to Gonzo yeah. that <laughs> <laughs> yeah God that uh, that segment was horrible too I was just that like... segment was so bad like, <laughs> I was like what huh? are you what are you presenting on stage like what is this 
conspiracy board that came straight out of always oh, this was like, why is this on my stage <laughs> yeah, she's just like oh great it's yeah. gone so like yeah. and that's it yeah yeah but but i will say like um uh for most anticipated game uh you know final fantasy 7 rebirth won that category but we all know the real winner is gta 6 we all oh, know absolutely that. yeah we, we know <laughs> we, we know it's gta 6 that's obvious i would have i mean my personal pick was going to be tekken 8 myself but we all know it's GTA, even though it's not, it'll probably win most anticipated game next year oh, and yeah. a year later because it's not going to come out till like 2026. Let's be real. Don't, 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 don't. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> listen, man, people have been playing GTA 5 for like 15 years now. <laughs> we'll be, they can wait. Uh, like, the, the addiction to GTA that's the 5 problem. is real. Go ahead, that, that's the problem. We've waited too long. That, thing, that game survived three different generations. It has. I was You're really right. disappointed that my my little guy that says um, I, I just want to do hood rat things with my hood rat friends did not make it into the GTA Six cut. Out of all their people, they got uh, they got twerking on the car woman, they got uh, Florida woman, they got Gator Man, they got uh, the Joker guy who's trying Joker to sue them now for likeness. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. But they, they left out. Of course, they left the out hood rat friends. That. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, he's trying to sue for the likeness, but it's like it doesn't. I mean, it looks like him, but it's like not him. It's completely different right. tattoos. And just, it's like it's like when Lindsay Lohan tried to sue them for her likeness for GTA Five. Oh yeah, I remember she did, that. like the the bikini woman who's like on the cover, or like the main poster girl for GTA Five. Yeah. It was like bikini girl, like side pose and stuff like that. And Lindsay Lohan tried to sue and say that was her. <laughs> That's a real story if you look it up. Wow, they're just trying to get that rock star money. Yeah, yeah, I'm... rock star. Ma- Dude, somehow GTA still sells 100 million copies, and I sit here every year wondering, how? Like, how do you sell that many copies still? Like, I it blows that my GTA mind. I'm like, on, that GTA, that GTA Online. But that makes me wonder. It has a GTA Online. Like, it's like, wait, you own a PS5? What did you buy the game like six times? Like, I'm so confused. How the hell did that happen? Like, you I, I buy it. GTA for every single console you own. Probably there's people. Who I, I kind of did that. I, I, it was cheap. It was cheap, so I, I bought GTA Five for PS Five. Okay, like, so you're part of the problem. Got it. Thanks. <laughs> just a, just a little bit because that Thanks was like okay. Now that there's six coming, I'm like, all right, I'm gonna want to play five again. Like when it's close to the release date, I'll play five again just to kind of like I right, get familiarized myself. All over again, just like I did with the Spider-Man games. Like I beat, I played one in miles, miles before Part Two came out. As if I needed one more reminder that Elon Musk is a bitch. Having him come out this week talking about GTA and he doesn't want to play it because he doesn't want to like murder hookers or whatever. Shut up, shut up, Elon Musk. Yeah, shut up. Elon Musk can shut up. Because he doesn't even know what money, like financial responsibility, is. Like, how do you, how do you buy Twitter? Enter and devalue a property. Like, how do you how do you do that? You took something good and you made it not good. How do you do that? In, in, in like a year, he's famous for buying other people's ideas. But everybody in the meantime thinks that he's Iron Man because he claims you know he puts his name on their ideas and stuff like that. They think he's the real Tony Stark. He's not. He's a bitch who doesn't know Grand Theft Auto from scratch. So uh, GTA Six was just another reminder that we need to be in a world with no Elon Musk in it. So yeah. yeah, you know, uh, yeah, I'm not a fan of Elmo Musk either. Like, if we can put him in one of those uh, SpaceX rocks and just ship him off, like, like they did Hulk in World War Hulk. Wait a minute. Hulk. 
That's Wait a minute. You, you son of a bitch, don't use the same disdain on his name as you were using earlier with CM Punk. <laughs> you had the same level no, no, of so disdain you, just now. And the problem is EM deserves it more than CM. Yeah. Just a little bit more. Like, I mean, you can give EM more credit and more <laughs> catchphrases than CM. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I'll agree with you there. I mean, because, you know, because um, um, Elmo Elmo Mask is like, he does more tangible damage than than some than some near 50-year-old cantankerous, you know, washout right in the, in the squared circle. But I, we can we can agree there. Um, but yeah, like I'm not I'm not a fan of uh, of him and his uh, Twitter or X Twitter shenanigans, or whatever that platform is. You know, it, it, his mama called it Twitter. I'm gonna call it Twitter. That's what I'm calling it. So you know, <laughs> no, we, everybody nobody still calls, calls Twitter. Twitter. Nobody calls it X. Like yeah. only people who have corporate corporate sponsorship necessities, like any other company, is just like, well, I get my I get sponsorship money off of Twitter, so I'll just call it X. But the general pop is just like, fuck you, we're calling Twitter. Yeah. Get yeah, out of here. Pretty much. Just bring the bird, bring the bird back. Yeah. If I can get you to all the way transition, if I can get you to all the way transition on this point now, uh-huh. and while I'm talking about uh, Victor and, and his high hopes, and I know we were talking about Spider-Man a moment ago, yeah. what I want to see, I know you've got that high-class, like, cinemaphile, right? I know mm-hmm. that's you. I know that's your jam. Yeah. And I try to keep up, but I know that you're five steps ahead of me. I understand that. But... I don't see any reason, I don't see any excuses that this year's awards show shouldn't be a combination of Miles Morales riding a kaiju named Godzilla, right? Like, <laughs> like maybe throw some Barbie in there somewhere. Don't say the word Oppenheimer. Don't give me none of this shit. Uh, we'll start on some Cillian Murphy and uh, directed Nolan. We'll start on that Nolan bullshit some other time. Yeah. But, uh, man, make this the year where the Oscars becomes cool. Well, you know, um, I, I will say like like this. I, I predict that next year's nominees uh, will will definitely be. I mean, there, there's there's some strong contenders. Like, and I and I will say like with Godzilla minus one, uh, absolutely awesome, awesome Godzilla film. It it is among my favorites of the year. It will make my list most likely uh, once I post it on my Instagram at the end of this year. Um, yeah, if you haven't seen Godzilla minus one, do that. It's it's awesome. Like. I put that right up there with like uh, the the OG Godzilla first film from '54 and uh, Shin Godzilla, which came out a few years ago. Uh, yeah. Disrespect for Matthew. Disrespect for the Matthew Broderick. Who? <laughs> oh yeah. We, oh, we, we're not we're, we're not gonna acknowledge that 1999 1998 travesty. You talk about Ferris Bueller. I know what you talk about. You talk no. about somebody chewing bubble gum to try to look American. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. We're, we're not going to acknowledge that that '98 Godzilla that had that was featured in some one of uh, uh, P Diddy Diddy Do It videos or uh, whatever. I don't know. Oh, would be did it with Jimmy Page. But uh, but yeah. Um, any other but any other uh, final thoughts as we wrap up this episode as we're rounding third headed for home? Um, any other final I, thoughts about I the gotta, awards? I gotta chime in on that Godzilla. I got just the, just the one thing. There was one element of the movie that I found implausible, but aside from that, trying not to get into spoilers, but you know, uh, sometimes when some people survive some things, there was one thing that I was like, "How though? How?" Just the, just the one thing. Yeah. Uh, but I'm just telling you for 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 anybody watching, for any of your audience, and for anybody in this room who hasn't seen the movie yet, there's this one moment in the movie where a sound cue comes up, part of the part of the score comes up 
I'm just saying part of the score. And we're like one third of the way into the movie, maybe just before halfway point in the movie, when one part of the score comes up. And I'm talking about just a part of the score made me be like, oh, in the theater. And then I realized that I wasn't the only one. And we started like Spider-Man pointing around the theater at like other people who were like, oh, man, the movie was wild. And it was gratifying to fans, especially the OG ones that you mentioned earlier, Victor. Thank you for letting me uh, speak on Godzilla just for a moment and then throwing in Miles Morales while I'm at it. I need an Oscars. That's fun. Give me give me Godzilla. Give me Miles Morales and throw in your Barbie. <laughs> do it. Yeah. Do it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Absolutely. I'm, I'm, I'm all, I'm all for it. You know, uh, you know, like we've got, you've got some, you've got some heavy hitters and like in the gaming industry this year, got some heavy movies this year too. So yeah, bring, bring up, bring on the Oscars 2024, you know, that's, that's, it's going to, it's going to be, it's going to be on and popping, you know? So do you guys think, and I think we can end this up. Do you guys think that 2024 can possibly beat out 2023 in gaming? Um, I think it can, and because 2022 was way too strong, it was probably it, it was 2023 for us was probably like what 2017 was because 2017 was insane. Yeah. When you had mm-hmm. the Switch come out, Mario Odyssey, Breath of the Wild, you had a whole bunch of other uh, cool games that were right, but 2023 was just insane in terms of the quality of games that released. And that's not even talking about the Dead Space remake. I completely forgot that that was an early like game that came out earlier in the year, and that's awesome because Dead Space is one of my favorite horror games. Mm-hmm. But then, thinking about it, if I go to... I'm trying to find... Here we go. This is what I'm looking for. I'm looking at the games that are coming out next year. Just a quick glance through of like, okay, this game is coming out next year. You have... Um, Prince of Persia, The Lost Crown. Looks good. Tekken 8 is like a, like, that's going to be the fighting game of the year. Period. Yeah. Tekken 8. And the demo comes out this weekend on PlayStation. There's going to be a demo for it. Um, another game that I'm looking at that's coming, should be coming out in 2023 is, or 2024 is Star Wars Outlaws. Like, it looks like Star Wars Uncharted, and I'm in. Like, so I want an excuse to play Uncharted. 100% because I think that that's going to uh, be amazing looking. I think that's going to be one of those games where you're like, oh, okay. N- Nintendo's coming out with the Mario remake or Mario Star Kong remake, the Princess Peach game, Luigi Mansion 2 HD is coming out next year as well. They're remaking Thousand Year Door as well. That also might come out next year. I think that there's still a possibility for 2024 to really shock us. But kind of looking at it as I'm kind of talking it out, it's gonna it's got a lot of expectations to live up to. Yeah, I really really think so because a lot of the trailers that were announced this year at the Game Awards, a lot of them were 2025. But let's not let's not you know mince words. Uh, thank you, thank That's you, big. for you took Carl's question and you you made it uh, an informative like compelling podcast in a really <laughs> nice again I'm informative gonna, way. To say uh, no, <laughs> it's, just, it's just not right. Tekken Eight should be dope. Uh, one thing to add to your list uh, that I'm I'm expecting um, shit. What was the Telltale game? A Wolf Among Us. I'm expecting a sequel to A Wolf Among Us uh, next year too. And that's one of those things that might just be like for me and for the very few fans. But 
even if you take like your top three or four that might be next year i'm definitely looking forward to star wars outlaws not looking forward to final fantasy 28 or whatever it is um just because there's so many like i've got such a backlog this year man was banger after banger after banger after banger it was wild this was the year this was seamus's year Hellblade is not going to do it, man. Hellblade is kind of dope, and it's you know it's it's it, nice, but that's not carrying the flag. Senua Saga. Yeah. Look yeah. like I have something with that one. But. Yeah, it's an Xbox exclusive, but I did I, I really did enjoy uh, the first Hellblade, uh, Senua's Sacrifice. Um, I will also add to the 2024 one game I'm looking forward to or really curious about is Dragon's Dogma Two. Um, Ooh, okay, okay. Yeah, I heard a lot of good things about that. Yeah, so so definitely, so I'm looking forward to that as well. Um, I do have um, I know Dragon's Dogma: Dark Arisen is one of the free free to free downloadable games if you're a PlayStation Plus member. So I'll probably try to try that try that game out at some point. But yeah, like there's so so many so many great games coming out um in the in next in, within next year. So it's enough to make you jump the guardrail and break your foot in excitement. So with that, um we will uh we will wrap up the discussion here. So uh so gentlemen Ooh, uh once again, um Roberto Ed, always a pleasure to have you both on. Uh love to have you guys back uh again uh, uh for another future episode. Let's do it again. Uh, uh as always as always wrestling some some video game talks and movie talk in there yeah uh, any any other uh, final things you want to say before we wrap up like um, where can we find where can where can the good people find your work yeah i'll start it off real quick of course uh instagram is our main channel at gamerdelphia but we also have channels across all the different social medias uh youtube gamerdelphia tiktok gamerdelphia crew um you can find all of our content there con recaps uh, talking points of the game industry, etc. Um, but that's where all of our main content is. Nice. We are at Steambox RI on all of the major things. If you check us out on Instagram, you will see me traveling the world with students uh, to Japan three times over launching devices to space. We made a TARDIS that looks crazy. Uh, and we are taking our podcast uh, to Las Vegas this year, and we're going to be interviewing students about mental health at an esports school. So we're talking about gaming. We're gonna like go with students actually have a high school curriculum for gaming and talk about mental wellness there. But also, if you're checking out our podcast, you're gonna find the one and only Mr. Carl Bird. He's been on the podcast before. Victor's been on the podcast before. But this week we're dropping a new episode with Carl Bird uh, and getting into more in-depth stuff about him, his life, his favorite, uh, his favorite interviewees his favorite co-host and it's not me or ed so uh you're gonna have to do the the deduction there um and and what life is like being a father it's at steambox ri thank you guys so much for having us uh carl thank you again uh for what you did with students today and i can't wait to have you back over there victor um with steambox calls i'm coming yeah, absolutely. Yeah, just yeah, just say the word Roberto and I'm there. I'd love to love to be back on the show again. And uh and yeah, and as for us, Codex Prime, you can 
Find all our all our episodes Facebook Live every Tuesday around eight eight p.m. ish Eastern. We're also uh, available on SoundCloud, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, uh, wherever you can find a podcast. Just Google Codex Prime and you'll find us there. Uh, we're also on Instagram at Codex Prime Podcast as well. Um, and you can also uh, find me on Instagram as well at Victor Moyo. Yep, man. Me is always at Mr. Burn ten twenty seven and. Um... You see, I'll be at the path in Fall River. Well, maybe. I don't know. I kind of have to go through East Providence to get to Fall River. So I Going through, not, that's not a problem. It's getting back. You're just not uh, getting back. Just go all the way around. Go to Boston and then go. I don't want to. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, it's going to be a late night. but So, yeah, I'll be there. And then I'll be at Osho next Friday. Um, but, yes, you can also check out to the uh, – in the compact interstate uh, 95 mixtape that just dropped yesterday, featuring five of the uh, northeastern uh, of the northeast fleet DJs. Uh, I'll definitely actually uh, send you guys a copy of it. It's just it's right on my mix cloud. You can just go ahead and just click it and then listen. So, uh, but I'll, yeah, I'll definitely send you guys one. But yeah, yeah definitely check those out. And uh, yeah, that's about it. If yeah. anybody in the room is turning 40 soon, I want to just say congratulations and happy birthday to those people. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, much appreciated. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and yeah, um, yeah. and as for me, um, one last thing before we wrap off. Um, uh, my upcoming podcasting project, Do the Film Thing, will be coming out on Sunday, January 7th of season one uh, i'll have a uh, 10 episodes or 10 audio essays of 10 different films so uh be on the lookout for that very excited to launch that uh in the weeks ahead um so i'm so excited i can just eat muffins into a microphone and then bite my coworker on the forearm but with that uh we want to thank you all for watching and listening to the show as always we will uh catch you on the flip peace out nerds peace out peace